talk about jesse lingard we're going to talk about the hottest new brazilian prospect the new champions league and barbecue sauce but first ladies and gentlemen was that a voice crack welcome back to 20 good minutes which we have now returned to a normal recording schedule after taking a week and a half uh vacation spring break spring uh, this first time i've ever had spring break so i loved it <laughs> I appreciate I, you letting me have it. <laughs> I do missed middle school. No, we didn't record for like 15 days. Now we're recording two episodes within three or four days of each other, which is the sign of good things to come, I think. And it's a large contributing factor is one, there's no streamer showdown going on right now. So Ben has all the time in the world. And two, half of my sure. classes are ending. And so I actually have a lot more time now than I did before. This is all great news for everybody. We're back. That's the That's the bottom line. We are back. Uh, and I'm excited to get started. We've got a whole list of topics, as always. I love, I love when I, go, I come to the list of topics and I think, "Oh, good, Liverpool aren't on it," <laughs> and then we can just move on, <laughs> which is great. That's uh, all. That's all good feelings. Yeah, that's all you're looking for is not Liverpool. No, but so where are we starting today, Z? Well, you wanted to start with. We normally do this at the end, but the sampling of food, because as we've documented, there is a European section in my local grocery store. Literally, it, it, the sign says Europe. How big is Europe. it? How it, big it's, is the it's like half of one side of one aisle. It's not large. Okay, that's that's quite a lot though. I still think that's quite a lot. Yeah, but it's got a bunch of weird jams in it. I mean, there's not a lot of great stuff in there. Okay, with a lot of weird jams, uh, a lot of strange spreads, a lot yeah. of tea. Because essentially, <laughs> apparently, this European section just means like England. That's basically. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's. Next just time you go, I need means. a picture. I'm I'm desperate for a picture of the European section. Okay. I need to see what's there, then I can say that that that. Let's go. We're we're, we're rocking. So next next episode, we need to have had a picture of it, so All we right. can identify some items. But what have you got for today then? What, what what have you got in your hand? I've bagged a um an arrow, which is mm. a chocolate bar that seems to have had yep. some very bad acne as a youth. Oh, that's a shame. What are you expecting? Have you opened it? Have you cracked it open or have you just no, looked I, at the wrapper? I haven't. So I've been far? looking at the wrapper, which it, it's made by Nestle. So I, I suppose this isn't going to be a huge surprise to me. It's chocolate. Yeah. So this is quite light. It's quite a light chocolate bar. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, do you lose out on some of the calories because there's air in it? Is it like well, good it's for sort you? Of, it's got like a aerated bubbly texture. Is how it's sort of said in well, England. What flavor have you got, by the way? Is it classic oh, arrow? This is just this is just normal arrow. I don't know if I okay because you can get you can get mint arrow. Oh, ooh, I probably like that. that. Is... But this is purely chocolate arrow right here. Yep, purely chocolate. Milk chocolate arrow, lovely. Delve in. Let us know what um, you think it, of. It's very arrow. The, the <laughs> soccer. The uh, <laughs> sorry. The, 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 the format of this chocolate bar is. So, Fergie would really appreciate it. It's like humps. It, it's like, um, <laughs> okay. like it, it, it's it, there's five humps per side, uh, ten total humps, and like a candy bar um, 
Okay. Shape. We're going to pop yeah, one of these I've off I've probably here. not had, like, the chocolate bar arrow you've currently got. I don't think I've bought ever. But, but I've had arrow a lot, but See, not that, the chocolate yeah, bar. That's the thing is, like, arrow. I've had Hershey a ton. But when was the last time I actually bought a Hershey chocolate bar? I don't know. Long yeah, interesting, time ago. isn't it? Yeah. Interesting. All right, so I've broken right, it well, off. This def It looks like it's almost baked. Like a baked good, you know? Because there's so many... Here, I'm going to have a bite now. Yeah, it's it's aerated. As he goes in for the 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 taste, you can feel the texture. What are you initially thinking? The texture is a little disturbing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in terms that. of like, when you bite into it, it just disappears. It's like eating cotton candy, almost. It's a bit melt in the mouth. Is that what yeah. you're getting at? Yeah, it's well, got it that, that, that flavor to it. It doesn't fight back on the bite very much. You know, when you're eating a Hershey bar, you bite and you know you're biting into it. This... Yeah. You like break the seal and then it just falls apart. It's got yeah, it's it's got like a crumbly mm. texture to it, um, almost flake-like, I would say. But but how, are you enjoying it? Because obviously, British chocolate and English chocolate is very different to like the Hershey's of this world. There's a very different flavor, like set. So what are you making of it? I feel like you could delete this entire chocolate bar in three seconds because you don't even have to chew. You bite into it. It goes into your mouth and then just melts away immediately. It's definitely mil it's it's milkier. I can't believe we we've chosen this to be like an audio feature of the podcast. This was never in the planning when we talked about doing this. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I know it's just us eating things on a regular basis, which is fine. I mean, yeah, fine. Yeah, this fine leads ten years from now. This leads to a TV show of us traveling around the world eating things, and I'm okay with that. Oh, I can mate, see that. If that's what it, if that's what it leads to. <laughs> I'm so in. I can't really go to India because I've got a nut allergy and that is a that's a minefield for me. Anywhere else in the world, I'm all in. But me having a nut allergy you would be a, a great quirk the show. That might ruin our show. I have show. a nut allergy, that yes. I've got show. a great story about my nut allergy. Um, I've you got tell. a few great stories about well, my nut allergy. Well, I enjoy actually, this. Just, I, I, I am going to power my way through this whole bar, apparently. You enjoy that, yeah. So I had one nut, nut allergy experience. It, there's, a, there's places to have a nut allergy, right? Inside of a hospital, uh, near a medical facility. A place not to have a nut allergy reaction is in the depths of Disneyland Paris. Um, and that's where I chose to have my nut allergy reaction. The first of my nut allergy reactions that was really bad. So I was 15. And uh, we, we'd gone to have sort of, you get, like Disney always have like these set menus. You get like a hot dog, some fries, we'll say for you, uh, like a, a drink and then a, a brownie or something, right? And the brownie I thought had like milk chocolate flakes in it. That turned out to be almond, which is, yeah, didn't know that at the time. Um, so I usually avoided like nut-based things because I didn't re ever react very well to it. I had the the, the, uh, the this brownie and then... Uh, about 20 minutes later, while on Pirates of the Caribbean, oh. felt like my throat was <laughs> just recoiling on itself. Um, my mum and dad then took my sister back to where we were staying. She's a little bit younger than me. It was around sort of seven, eight o'clock. They were heading back. I was staying a, bit, a little bit late with my cousins. Um, I then went on Indiana Jones. And then after that decided, yeah, I'm not good here. Because uh, I didn't really want to say that I was suffering, you know, you're sort of left with people like they're my auntie and uncle, but I didn't spend like every weekend with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know them. So I didn't want to say, I don't want to be the awkward problem cousin and be like, oh God, I need to go for medical attention. Um, so as we try and leave, the parade starts and we can't we can't get out of <laughs> Paris comfortably. It was, it was chaos. And then, um, yeah, that wasn't great. The other time I had an allergy reaction was on a, uh, a course to be a doorman or like a bouncer. Um, do you have bouncers in it? Do you call what do you call oh, them? Oh yeah, you've been calling bouncers. 
bouncers, yeah. So I was thinking I, like, I thought you were talking about a hotel when you said a doorman. Yeah, but no, we, I, have, we have bouncers, yeah. Yeah, and, and having to go because you've had a nut reaction while on that particular course doesn't exactly make everyone think, oh, he's hard as nails. So, yeah, not great. But again, another had, had to be had to be stabbed with an EpiPen. So that was good. Uh, Fun times. Wholesome. Now, it's really one of good. those things where if if somebody really wants to get into the bar, all they got to do is just like rub some peanut butter on you and your toast. <laughs> yeah. I'm peanut butter toast. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um I don't I've not I've not done that job in any way for like years I had even a, remotely. I have a cousin so, who who was a bouncer and he had a business card. Uh, and he would hand okay. it to people. It said, it's, it said Patrick Shannon, hooligan wrangler. Wow. It had no he could, idea. He could be used at football grounds in this country quite regularly. <laughs> well, he's, he's six, five, 300 pounds. So yeah, he would, uh, he's an effective bouncer. He's not just there for the, he's not just there for the business card. Yeah. The best I thing. I bet he's not got an allergy, has he? <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's allergic <laughs> to pain or that doesn't even make sense, but it, okay. That's good. That's good. Thank you. His business card didn't even have any like identifying information on it. It was a P it was a cardstock business card, piece of paper that said Patrick Shannon hooligan wrangler with no phone number, no email, no anything. He would just hand it to people. Oh, in what, yeah, but in what situation? Just to intimidate? Intimidation or humor, I think, are the two options need, for something like that. Yeah, I need I need a card that when I hand it to people, it intimidates them. It just needs to read something like, I'm watching. That's all it says. <laughs> Come over, <laughs> I'm watching. And then you just, and then you just walk away. Yeah. Now you're at the movie theater yeah. and the girl hands you your popcorn and you pay with that. You just hand her a card and says, I'm watching. I mean, she's yeah, but she'll go, yes, you are. Screen five. And I'll go, oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's not this is this is bad. This is the wrong setting. Wasn't uh, it? I should have done it. Darn. Uh, yeah. Movie theater came to me too. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Do you, do you feel like you need a glass of milk? Are you okay? No, it's just, it's just a bizarre. I don't know if I'm ever going to eat it again. It's a very bizarre. Like I I'm eating the walkers again. Those those okay, quote unquote biscuits, these I don't know if I'm ever gonna eat them again because it's just like chocolate, but it's a tease. It goes away too fast. You can't act, you know. It just oh, it's yeah. gone. You know. Fair enough. Fair error, everybody. Shout out to error. If Nestle want to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> um, about twenty minutes ago was a good time. So whatever. Yeah, good, lovely. Um, let's talk Jesse Lingard. We talked about Jesse Lingard last time we were around. Uh, and he was doing really well. He's continually doing really well to the point where it's getting off putting. Um, and Real Madrid are apparently interested. Uh, as amongst like, the Milans might be interested. PSG might be interested. Can you see this happening realistically? Here, we, we when we talked about Lingard last time, the debate was, does he want to fight for his place at United? How much does he care? He's a United boy. He's been there since he was you know, like a toddler, essentially. It, does yeah. he want to stay? Does he want to play for that spot or not? And if he doesn't, then now I don't see him staying at West Ham either, right? I see him taking up one of these offers to go somewhere because you see this from a lot of guys that want to that, that want to get that international experience before their main playing career is over. I mean, I remember David Beckham saying he wanted to do that. I, I, Gareth Bale probably regrets it now, but it's this sort of seeking out that experience to travel a lot of people from a lot of countries like look if you're from the u.s uh it's like you're Pulisic, or if you're from brazil or you're from argentina or honestly even if you're from france most of the time and you kind of get out of the french league and you go to these other places out of every nationality probably in the world the players that travel the least maybe russia it will be the english 
where they like yeah. the English players just don't play outside of England, and so you don't get that extra cultural experience and playing somewhere else. And if he wants to do that, then he can. But this is all overshadowed by a fact by the fact that I thought these headlines were a joke until I realized <laughs> that like three or four different news sources confirmed that after 12 games, how much can your life change in 12 matches? After 12 matches, all of a sudden, he's on the radar of some of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, th I think the interesting thing that is maybe not discussed when these rumors come up, because people have forgotten, is that Jesse Lingard would be a foreign player to these nations, and Spain have restrictions on things like that. So Real Madrid would have to use for one of their foreign player spots for Jesse Lingard, which would be fascinating. Is the way, is the way I look at it. I, I think the, the 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 only winner here for me is Manchester United, who have got a player now on their books that they don't necessarily need or want, but have got in, clearly there's some interest. Whether that's just like Jesse Lingard's agent going, yeah, I've had a lot of I've been feeling a lot of calls recently <laughs> about Jesse Lingard. Yeah, sure you have. Um, I think ultimately this will depend on if West Ham United qualify for the Champions League. If West Ham get into the Champions League, priority number one, and history tells me he will go back to West Ham as a player in a forty-five million pound deal, right? That sort of thing. If he doesn't, if they if they don't get into the Champions League, well, Jesse Lingard wants to go back to Manchester United and play in it, or play in the Europa League with West Ham, a team that he's clearly doing well in. That is the decision he's got to make. I, I cannot see, so maybe I'm being unfair here, I cannot see Real Madrid or PSG or any any of the, like the big foreign sides going for Jesse Lingard. I just can't, I just can't see it. It doesn't, like, it's a, it's a bit too one-off this season, it feels like. And it's, unless he does it again, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll happen. What, how are you rating the odds of it of it existing? I think Real Madrid and PSG, the odds are almost nil. I mean, those are clubs that are looking to get the best players in the world. And I think even in the form that Lingard's in right now, saying that he is like one of the 25 or 30 best players in the world is just, it's a, it's a stretch. Yeah. It's an obvious it's right, stretch. right now, but like overall, no. Yeah even right now i'm saying like look yeah he's on fire he's been the best goal contributor in the premier league since he stepped into the team it's like you know you really gonna show up and pay 50 million for that game just for 10 games i could see an inter making a play like in yeah. inter milan jesse lingard feels like he'd fit right into that team one just because it's a really young team lingard is maligned as he is does have a lot of experience in big clubs big moments big international tournaments and clearly has the mental toughness to kind of get through that and so i think he'd be a good fit with a young team there and inter milan's level is just it's just lower than psg and real madrid it's lower than man united i think and so that's where i could see him ending up out of the teams that have been rumored to be tracking him and maybe inquiring i could see him going to inter milan and it would it would make sense he look he would look good in the yeah. jersey it's, yeah, Ash, Ashley Young's there, Lukaku's there, Alexis Sanchez is there, Christian Eriksen's there. Like there'd be players to make him feel comfortable in that in that type of arena. It's like it's like it's a fun move for Lingard. Whether they would do it, I, I, I really don't know. It might depend on what their personnel is is like there, right? Who's who's leaving them, and if a spot opens up for someone like Lingard. But it's, again, I think Manchester United are the big winners. They can kind of decide what happens with him. Lingard will have potentially the pick of a few clubs. I think if you're a West Ham fan listening to this. You're going to stay away. Stop mentioning other teams. <laughs> like we are desperate to keep a hold of him. Um, 
one other factor will be like he will go to the Euros as part of the England squad and the impact he has there against some of the top teams in that first few knockout I'm sure we'll talk about the Euros at some point in the first knockout stages of the Euros England have got some big games against some big teams if, if it works out as expected and uh, that might be the crucial moment where people go okay he's not just doing it against Burnley he's actually quite good against France or Germany yeah, be exciting. I think the only thing that gets him signed by Real Madrid, essentially, is if he shows up and just bags a beautiful brace against like France. Yeah. And then all you go, wait a second, he's fine. <laughs> that the, all those jokes about just wait, Jesse Lingard's going to reach his potential were actually true. And he's just turned it on to this other level. Uh, but it, yeah, wow, the Euros are going to be important for him. The fact that he's there just blows my mind because he wouldn't have been within the top 100 guys to be selected at the beginning of this year. No, he was, he was way off the radar, which makes the whole turnaround seem so crazy, right? You, you talk about players needing to be fit and in form and sharp and things like this. Well, somewhere, somehow, he managed to get to that point very, very quickly and then excel once he's at that level. So, I mean, hats off to him. I mean, the, we're, we're talking about Jesse Lingard. He's, he's more surprising than the Aero coming up, to be honest. But, you know, here we go. Speaking of high potential youth players, Lingard's one, and we're going to talk about another one. Manchester City is about to sign after this. So as you might have known, there is this kid named, I thought it was KK. Apparently it's KK. And he's just started playing for Fluminense in Brazil. And Manchester City are about to spend 10 million large to sign this kid. Ben, are they spending their money wisely? We both watched his first goal, and it's amazing. Yeah, we've done the classic thing of loaded up YouTube and made our judgments. Uh, it's, it's interesting, right? There's, so apparently it's 10 million euros up front and then potentially like 15 million euros over the course of his contract, which is going to be five years. 20% uh, of any future sale has been reported, things like this. And he's been tipped as basically the next Neymar. That's the way he's been, he's been publicized. If he's going to be the guy, then... It's one of those things that you'll find out very, very quickly once he's playing in England on a regular basis. And if he's brought straight into the Manchester City side, or if he's given a little bit more time to continue over in Brazil and then eventually comes over, right? He's played, I think, six first team games in his career at like league level and has already scored a goal that looks, it makes him look like a well beer. Like we were talking before that when a player does certain things on a football pitch, it's the, the, the goal it's similar to, but not the same as, is the Mo Salah versus Everton goal, where he sort of dinks around a few players, lovely little bit of skill, and then plays into the far corner, and you think, oh, he's actually quite good. So we don't see these players come across that often, certainly not to England, right? We often see Madrid pick them up, Barcelona pick them up. We don't see them come to England so often, but Manchester City are certainly continuing to follow the mould of these super clubs in tying down talent, which, again, the next Neymar, very, very early. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly we see him ingratiated into the side, right? Especially when you consider that Aguero's left. And there's almost like a spot opening up with Jesus. And it's going to be curious to see how he gets on. And if the money's worth it or not, we can judge that probably at the end of his career, right? But right now, it's hard to say. I'm of the opinion that when you watch a goal like this goal which i would highly recommend looking up you just have to search k-a-y-k-y -K -Y, uh key uh, and what a huge shout out to him by the way for really mixing it up in the naming circle i'd had enough shows for one day but <laughs> he <laughs> but he has gone with key out of the five or six options that you get when you are given a brazilian name which i like and 
he when you score a goal that is as good as this one which just shows the composure in tight spaces and just this raw creativity this ability to go by four or five guys and then score a goal seven minutes into your first professional game i i think he always pays back this 10 million i mean you have to have the 10 million to invest but i don't think this is ever a bad signing because even if he's not the next neymar even if he's not worth 200 million dollars soon then he's still a player that's going to be able to like like this guy has talent you loan him out and you sell him for 20 to 30 million dollars down the line in the absolute worst case scenario obviously assuming he doesn't just blow up both of his knees four times which is the actual worst case scenario but i'm always looking at signings like this it's like oh they paid so much money for a 17 year old i'm like man he just sat down five grown men to score a goal seven minutes into his professional debut if you can do that you're worth 10 million dollars at least every time yeah no, I, I get that. I think the, the, to balance it, right, we we need to know the level that he's at and how how far above that level he can go. With Neymar, it was acutely obvious. I remember watching Neymar. Like, for some reason, when Neymar was at Santos, I would watch a lot of Brazilian games. Like, I, would, I, I don't know. I don't have. I have no idea why. And I remember tweeting something like, "Neymar is technically as good as Ronaldo now while in Brazil." Like, and I remember, I, I'm sure the tweet exists somewhere. And at the time, I remember tweeting it thinking, I don't know if I fully believe this, but w when you look at what Neymar's gone on to become, and in terms of Neymar's ability on the ball, like there are there are very few players like him. Again, he's dubbed the left-footed Neymar, which makes him almost more Messi-like, because of the, like stylistically, it will look a little bit more like Messi. He's got a very low center of gravity. He's relatively short. It'll be, it'll be re I, like, I, I, love, I love players like this because no matter what happens, He'll be like one of these football manager wonder kids that we talk about in 10 years, either of, oh, remember when you could sign him on the cheap, which he won't be able to do now because he's going to Manchester City. And then it'll be like Bebe, like he's a huge flop, never quite lived up to the hype. So there's a lot of pressure on him very, very early on. And that's one thing that he won't have had to experience so much in Brazil. Don't get me wrong. There are like, they are, they are football lovers in that country. Like, that, like that's any surprise. But you come over to Manchester City, you have the potential to play in front of 50,000 people every week. That's a different kind of pressure. So it's going to be, I keep saying it, it's going to be really interesting because it is, because we don't see this very often in England. So my interest is very much peaked. I'm glad you brought this more to my attention. I think that one thing that you brought up and to tie it into the he's coming to England, this dude is small. He's not just short, yeah. he is slight. He's the type of seven, there are two types of 17 year olds. They're the 17 year olds, like when I was 17, I was essentially the size I was going to be the rest of my life. He feels kind of prepubescent in a way. Like he's looking into the, sh you know, he's staring directly at the shoulder of the pros around him. He can't, you know, he's not really matching them in the eye. You don't know if he's going to get a lot taller. Obviously, you don't need to get a lot taller to be great. <clears throat> Messi, but he, Messi is strong and fast, yeah. right? And Keiki looks very slight as a play player. So I think you're either going to get someone like Hatem Ben Arfa that is capable of this sort of thing, but isn't reliably capable of it. But still, a guy like that again is worth twenty, thirty million dollars, or yeah, you're going, point, right. or you're going to get actual, you know, Neymar all over again. But watching, it's just when you watch a fully professional league, and look, the Brazilian league is inarguably, I think, top twenty in the world, probably top fifteen in the world in terms of quality, and this is the top flight of Brazil that he's playing in with Fluminense. You just watch people that are capable of doing things that these are grown, grown men 
trying to win a game all around him and he's just doing something that nobody else is nobody else is doing where your eye sees it and it goes i really don't know what's happening because i haven't seen something like this before mm. it's, the, it's the eye test right normally you see it and, and people say well it's, it's the it's the the uncomprehensible thing about football that people will look at him and go he's got two goals i think it's two in seven he's got he's got two goals in seven games yeah, that's 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 okay at 17 but it's the look of oh wow okay he's doing things as you say no one else is doing and if he does it on a repeatable level like it's interesting you mention his his size and his build like he is quite slight but i'm looking at some i'm on his instagram um he's got he's already got like these built legs of of one of these players that has got this low center of gra gravity i mean you think of jordan shakiri from about 10 years ago when he was like a similar type of player and messi's messi's not quite like that but there are players like this that exist right he's got this low center of gravity his ability to turn on the move the ability to be aware of everything that's around him that's why i said to you when we were looking at clips of him like his awareness even at this age already now is one of the most aware footballers i can remember watching in my like time of watching football was ronaldinho who knew where everyone was at all times and it kind of didn't matter because when he had it nobody else was even getting it and he's kind of got that vibe about him i mean we're we're, we're bigging him up quite a lot here, right we're comparing him to neymar and ronaldinho and um he could be you know what maybe he wants to be the next jesse lingard who knows but uh, yeah, he's gonna huge. be you're, i think the hatter banar for example is a brilliant example as well like he could be that and eventually get a move to Lille, where he turns out to be like a pretty good player, and then five years after that gets a massive move to, to to Real Madrid or something. But yeah, right now at Manchester City, will he be a, a key part of the future of them? Like they've got to adapt and evolve, and he could be a huge part of that. Things move fast at a club like Manchester City, though. So yeah, if he's not it. good, we'll know pretty quickly. But I, I think it's important to point out that there just aren't a ton of people that get this kind of hype. I remember when Vinicius Jr. was bought and he was 16. He's kind of the last guy I remember thinking about in this way. And obviously yeah. he's had, you know, he's had some struggles, you know, on my mother's life. He's playing against us, those sorts of struggles. But he's obviously turned it around against, I'm sorry, here comes the Liverpool against Liverpool. Uh, and he he's going to end up being a really good player because, of course, he's still really young. And I think that's where we'll, we'll, we'll see KK if... if mm. Guardiola gives him a few years training at Manchester City, which is essentially a training ground that is scientifically designed to make you the best player humanly possible. Like, you couldn't have a better training ground than that to get better yeah, or got, coaching staff. Ga Gabriel Jesus is the model, right? Like, he's the last time City did this kind of thing uh, with a Brazilian player. And the argument of whether that's worked out or not, we might sit next season. If City go and buy a, a big striker like a Haaland or a Kane, then you'll know that Gabriel Jesus was never quite the guy and there'll be that model for him to follow and that again that'll be an interesting element of it and will, and will maybe be a big part of city getting him that they've got a player already there that can make him feel comfortable very early in his career and that's going to be pivotal like settling in moving from brazil to manchester there's a there's quite a cultural shift there <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> hey. there's quite a cultural shift so um again i'm i'm absolutely fascinated and like i can't wait to see how quickly it takes him he's gonna be 18 in the summer like he won't be that far away. He might be in their preseason plans, which would be very exciting. I don't know if they're waiting till the end of the Brazilian season though for him to come over. I don't, I don't, I don't like that's not been detailed anywhere. So when he comes over, I'm sure we'll see it. It might be a Jesus thing where it might take until the January, and then we'll see him for the back end of a season, which will be very exciting. I can imagine the next season is going to be one of those seasons where we'll see the kind of Phil Foden treatment, where he doesn't play a lot, but he will play. He'll pop in every couple of games and. 
play for 45 minutes and you'll be able to see this kind of tantalizing look at what he can do but they're worried about his physicality or they're you know they're trying to win a league and so he's not out there all the time right now uh, they're also trying to win the champions league uh for the first time at some point in the future and they're hoping that he's going to be able to help them do that uh because yeah. i think Dortmund, quite honestly are going to be able to bump them out but uh we are recording this before those matches to spare ben <laughs> having to talk about liverpool one more time but the champions league is changing and the last thing that really we wanted to do today is I have read an article that has described to me how the new Champions League is going to work. And I'm going to attempt to explain it to Ben in a way that he can understand because it is very complicated. And then we will try and decide whether it's better or worse. Okay, I'm, I'm very nervous. <laughs> I don't know if I should be or not, but I'm very nervous. Uh, I don't. I, I hate when FIFA and UEFA do this because I feel like okay. it takes them years to eventually get this right. So I already know I'm going to hate it. Yeah, you're going no, to. Win, win me over. Win me over. Okay, so the qualification stuff is going to all work the same, except four more teams are going to qualify for the proper format. Okay. There will be 36 teams in the Champions League proper, and it will be an okay. actual league. It will be... Oh, yeah, yeah, I hate it. It, it gets worse. It, <laughs> it will be 36 teams in one league table. Each team will play 10 games. With, oh, I'm tired about this. Now I know what you're talking yes. about. I'm sick into the core. With, with a select number of games from teams in every pot. So it's like the World Cup, same as the group stage. There are four pots. So you play a certain number of teams from each pot, half at home, half away. Every time you play a team, you just play them once. So like you get two teams from pot A, you play Bayern and Real Madrid. You could end up playing them both away or both at home, but you won't get like a return trip. You get five at home, five away. You'll play two teams from pot A, two teams from pot D. Then I think it's three teams from pots C and uh, B. And then every okay. so every every team plays ten games, and how they do in those ten games is ranked in a table, and the top eight teams automatically qualify. Like if you finish in the top eight of that league table, you qualify for the knockout stages. If you finish in the bottom eight, you are automatically eliminated. If you are in that middle section, it's not the bottom eight; it's like the bottom twelve or something. If you okay, are you. one of the teams that has not been either promoted or eliminated, you enter a playoff to decide the other eight teams that make the knockouts. And that's how yeah. it works. This is the most American thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this is like, I, as someone that has watched, we've sort of talked about it a bit, for someone that is now like very much in love with the NHL, this is what the NHL was last year because of COVID. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to that, in which they've created there's playoffs before the main playoffs, where the middle teams have to play more, and then the, the top eight get like this distinct advantage, and whoever the ninth team is is going to be infuriated because they've got to then play more matches when they were on level on points because they'll have played different teams of varying qualities. What is this? This is I've, I was making notes as you were going through, and one of my one of the notes I made was just the word American. Like it's it's not like. <sighs> thing is they're, they're changing it because they've concluded well we've done this for 20 years it's probably time for change but there's not that much wrong with the current system really like it's still quite good 
I think the away goals thing probably needs to go. There's no point in away goals anymore, in my opinion. But other than that, it's a pretty good system. Maybe even just do it as like more one-off games if you're worried about it. Does this mean there's more or less games overall? Oh, there's more. There's <sighs> a, there there. So if you end up if you end up winning the Champions League right now, you play 13 games. In the new okay. system, you will play 17. So it's not a crazy. It's not. It's not it, a ridiculous. No, it's not a ridiculous more. increase. I mean, to be honest, you couldn't have a ridiculous increase of games because they already play so many games. These top clubs. Is the argument to say that it's not it, that makes it harder then because you're playing more games in a more competitive system? The, the argument that is made is that it is more entertaining because you are much more often involved to the last match than you are in the group stage format. That's the argument. But so this is their attempt to prevent the Super League. That's why, uh, that's, that's why I see it. Yeah, it sounds like some sort of Super League compromise, but the idea, and what I do kind of understand is that only the bottom eight or 12 teams are eliminated, which means down to the last match day, like down to match day nine and 10 of the Champions League in this new league format, those teams that are in the bottom eight or 12, like with one win, they could just, they could get out and get into that playoff. So, I yeah, I, think, I quite like the idea of that. That's quite cool. Do, do you, my question would be, you might not have the answers to this because I don't know if this will have been detailed, but what happens to the Europa League? Do the teams that are in the bottom, do the bottom teams move into the Europa League like they do currently? The teams that finished third, obviously, are currently go into the Europa League. I do, do the losing teams of the playoffs go in or? If you're one of the teams that don't make the playoff, like the, you know, the playoff to get to the knockout stages. Yeah. If you're one of those teams, then you probably don't go to the Europa League. I'm guessing the losers of the playoff go to the Europa League. That would be my guess, right? Yeah, that would. But I feel like if you're in the Europa League, that is a tough pill to swallow knowing that, I mean, it already is, right? There's some some really good sides coming and there's going to be, in theory, 16 that go through. So it's no, it's no different, be, really. It, it, like, it yeah, would be no different. It be the should same. be in the quality. Yeah. No, that'd be the same. Yeah. But I, I don't know whether it makes it more competitive and more interesting and it makes it feel more like a Euro, like a European league. Like a, like a Champions League, I guess, in a way, but a European Champions League. I don't know. It's a more league-based. <laughs> it makes sense with the name more. Um, whether it's better or not, though. Do you know what? I'm not... Do you know what? Coming into this, I was like, definitely not. And now, the more I talk about it, I'm not opposed to changing up, having something a little bit different. He, the, what is Again, going to be the constant problem here is that everybody's schedule is different. And it's yeah they'd have to remove certain competitions for english teams for example you'd have to remove the league cup that would have to go no i wouldn't have enough time i just i mean what i don't mean by like when you play the games i oh. mean like who you play so the difference in pot one right is huge or like the difference in pot three because i think Ajax is in pot three but you could also get like yeah dynamos dynamo zagreb would be in pot three maybe like you get these there's a huge disparity between who you could get in each of these pots. And so there will be, until the end of time, a debate, which is going to, this is just always going to bother me because everybody's going to play a different collection of teams. And so like pot one might have Manchester United in it, but who, you know, who would you rather play Manchester United or like Man City would also be in that pot who is significantly better or PSG and you know, maybe a good Real Madrid or Barcelona, which who knows when we'll actually see like a dominant one of those two clubs again. But you get the idea that like Bayern is in pot one, but also like it, it, most of the teams that make it in out of England are going to be in pot one. Like Tottenham would have been in pot one. 
right? And there's, there's yeah. just a gulf in quality between those two, but you could get Tottenham at home or PSG on the road, right? Like, the, you know, and that, yeah, those would the, count as the, the same away, match. The home away bit is the confusing bit because then there is, like I say, get rid of the, the home away advantage. It doesn't really matter. But then in this instance, it absolutely would matter, you feel like. And I don't know how league teams would feel about competing at levels when they know that, again, it's, it's the same thing they, that currently exists. It's funny because they're basically just like breaking it up and then bringing it back together, but with the same parts. And so it's not changing massively. Teams still go into the Europa League as they would normally. I don't know who's benefiting from this. In theory, are the bigger teams benefiting because they no, don't go to this well, playoff bit? FIFA's benefiting because there's like 50% more games. Yeah, okay, yeah UEFA, right. UEFA are the, team, are the, are the, are the body that would uh, Oh, Sorry, UEFA's more benefiting. Money. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, uh, and that's but, ultimately why they're doing it. That's the, They're looking to get... Because this was always the argument for the Super League, right? The bigger game sells better. So they want they want more bigger games. And this, in theory, with the playoffs, makes every game feel more important. Well, every, every game is more important. There are more games. And the big teams play each other more in the earlier yeah, rounds. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's the, anyway, that, that's that, yeah that, and that's the main reason for them doing it, I suspect. And it's going to be hard. Well, it's well it's going to be hard to get into that top eight, too. Because it's always going to come down to the last match or two. Because... There just aren't enough matches to create significant separation. And so there's yeah, always uh, always going to be some late dramatic goal to get you top eight out of the Champions League. What's really interesting, I guess it would have to work on seeding, but if you finished eighth, which team do you play out of the playoffs? Are the playoffs then seeded? I guess they have to be. That would be you want to go American. That's how, like, that would be the American way to do it. Yeah, you'd have to do it that way. Again, I think as someone that has enjoyed the NHL, and has seen the way that the playoffs operate and the, i mean i was trying to be talking about how like, i would change the nhl with people recently but like it's, it's really interesting to see that that model could potentially work in this but only this format like you didn't you couldn't do this with like a world cup or anything but you could definitely no. do it over a league season with the champions league and i do i do see the positives in it i also think it's ultimately just a, a money-making like <laughs> trick almost for uefa they've managed which, to take hmm. the same competition and multiply its value by fifty percent. Yeah, so that's what I mean. They've taken up, they've taken the same parts and then just remolded it to benefit them. Now, whether it benefits the players or the teams, <laughs> I don't think they've ever cared about that. So, probably doesn't matter. It's interesting though. It's, uh, yeah, and, and again, it's one of those things. Whether we, whether we see it or not, we depend on who benefits. And like, so if UEFA can sell it to these big clubs, as you will make more money, your revenues will be higher. And to the teams that are in it at the lower level, you will not make more money from being in it. Yeah, well, and now I there's you're going to get there's also four more get, spots. So clubs like Rangers or Celtic or Red Star or uh, maybe some like Dynamo Kiev, these clubs that battle to get those last spots in the group stage, it will be easier for them to get into because there are four more spots. Yeah, and so and, it, and that, that that then brings the argument though, right? Like, does making the competition in theory weaker make it stronger? That's would you just see those teams be like the whipping boys because you need to add in a few more at the bottom end? Is is it better to offer those sp spots to more competitive leagues that are going to inevitably be higher? Well, Again, I think here's if, you, if the, you sell it to the clubs and they're going to make money, it's fine. Like They're yeah. going to do it. The final, the final little loophole is that there may only be two extra teams and UEFA might okay. reserve, and I have no idea what this means. It is not fleshed out in the article. But it's said that it's something that's kind of hidden in the rules is that two of those spots might be reserved for his 
quote unquote historically significant teams that did not qualify. Yeah, that makes me feel a bit sick. But that that's that's that feels like oh, that's, that's such a cop out. That's just to say, all <laughs> oh, right, well, like what what if they oh no, like I don't know, Manchester United finished fifth in the Premier League. Well, hang on, they are historically fantastic. Let's get them in. It's like that. Oh, that's a horrible system. No, 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 no. I don't like that. I quite like it this year, actually. If Liverpool don't qualify, then yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. But outside of that bias, no, I don't like that at all. That should not be in it. It's, that's such a win. We need the big team. You promised the big teams more money. Yeah, but you finished. Seven, you finished. What? How bad have they got to be? Like, and how historical have they got to be? Well, what, what, I'm thinking, what if Arsenal finish 12th? Yeah, well, that's what I was like. Do you put Arsenal in there, right? What I'm thinking is if, <laughs> if you win the Masters, right, to reference something that just happened in, in the U.S., golf, yeah. if you win the Masters, golf. you can always play in the Masters. Even if you're no longer on the professional tour, like you have a standing yeah. invitation to play in the Masters if you've won it. And I think actually multiple majors work that way. I think the Open works that way. Uh, where if you have won it, even if your professional career is over or you kind of fade out and you're not in the the tour anymore, you can still play in the Masters or in the Open. And it's always funny because they always miss the cut. Like you see at the bottom of the leaderboard, there's some dude that's like plus yeah. 33 because he's 70 years old, but he's still there uh, playing <laughs> the tournament. I feel like that's what they're... Shout out to Vijay Singh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's always Vijay Singh. Very... Fred Couples, Vijay Singh. It's always those guys. Yeah, it's all, yeah. Oh, some, yeah. That, when you turn on the Masters for the first time, it's always a shot of Fred Couples and some guy talking about his <laughs> wonderful iron play. Like that's Because Couples is the first guy through the course every time. But yeah. that that's what I envisioned when they initially said this, is it's like historically significant. It's like if you've won it in the last five years and then you don't qualify like they reserve the right to just put you in the champions league proper anyways because let's be honest you probably beat celtic and rangers and dynamo zagreb and dynamo kiev pretty easily it uh, but it's also definitely a way to appease the big clubs that make the moves the movers and shakers yeah uh, and ultimately if, again if there's money to be made uefa can sell it then it'll happen <sighs> beautiful that is that's that's all though there's no other surprises that is where the champions league is headed by uh, every reports. team gets a lemon wipe you know just in case they want to use that at any point <laughs> bring out the lemon wipe just, yeah wipe olympiacos right out of the group stage and just <laughs> plug in arsenal just because they really they will it would not be the same without kieran tierney in the champions league so every, so every scottish fan going <laughs> that's true Kieran Tierney, we, oh, this is just a random note, and then I promise okay. we'll shut up. But the, 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 so England's got 27 left backs. What does it say about Scotland that probably its two best players, or, or England's got all the right backs. Scotland has its two yeah. best players are left backs. What is this? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would take, to be fair, ours aren't bad, but yeah, they they, they definitely have an unfair left back advantage. Well, so just, any right wingers they, coming up in the Euros, they're in trouble. <laughs> They could, they could. Uh, well, I guess the the great matchup is if England plays Scotland, right? Then you have yeah those guys going against each other. T yeah, Tierney often plays centre. I think Tierney plays centre back and Robertson plays left back for them. So like, they they they, do, they get squeezed in together. But um, yeah, it's not always it's not always great for them. But, but yeah, they're playing England this. Oh, mate, the tournament this summer is going to be great. It's going to be so good. And we will do an episode on that. But this is not that episode. So we bid you adieu.